You're tuned in to 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley. My name is Tesla Munson, and this is The Graduates, the interview talk show where I speak with graduate students at UC Berkeley about their research here on campus and around the world. Today, I'm joined by biologist Taichi Suzuki in the Department of Integrative Biology here at Berkeley. Welcome, Taichi. Thank you. So, okay, biologist is a pretty general term. Do you want to give us a little, what, like, give us a little more? Yeah, so, so I study... Uh, microbial ecology for my dissertation, but my background is more population genetics. So I use the term biology just because it spans broad, I guess. So yeah. probably a lot of people don't know what most of those things mean. That's right. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll tell them. Yeah. That's what we're here for. So microbial ecology, that's two terms we could define mm-hmm. here. So e- what's ecology? Yeah, that's um, more ecology is defined as like an um, interaction of um, organisms. So, so I'm studying the process of how microbes form the community, what they're doing, and also specifically I'm studying in the microbes in the gut of organisms. Yeah, so what microbes do to the host is the main question I'm asking. So what's a microbe? I mean, I know micro means small, and you yeah. said they're in the gut, so they must be small that's organisms. Right. Exactly. So they're mostly bacteria, but they're also archaea. That's a little different from bacteria, but they're also small. And they're also eukaryotes, which is, you know, little fungi. So gathering those tiny organisms we call microbes, but they're from different lineages. And those things are all alive, right? Like bacteria and archaea. Because I know there's debate on viruses. So uh-huh. this is not, we're not talking about viruses. Well, actually, it includes viruses as well. And Tricky. And exactly. And how we define vi- if virus is alive or, you know, if it's organism or not, is another debate. But just the whole small organisms like creatures, I think we can define as microbes. Um, and this is a community. So this is in, you said it's in the gut, uh, um, but you're not looking at humans. So I did a study in humans as well. I'm gathering, it's called meta-analysis. So you gather published papers and gather data and find patterns. And I, I've studied human gut as well. And, and that's published. Um, and now I'm working on mice because you can do more manipulative experiments than humans. Um, we don't want to make you sound like an evil <laughs> scientist, manipulative, manipulative experiments. Yeah. But you just generally to, easier to work with in um, shorter generation time. Exactly. You can keep them in captivity. You can feed different diets. You know, if you do that in humans, sometimes people lie. They don't you know, follow the and they don't. They generally don't like to be kept in captivity. That's right. Uh, humans. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So why the gut, though? Is that of particular interest? There are other parts of the body that have microbial communities, right? Exactly. There's so microbes are all over our body, and um, gut is the one place that's most dense, in, you know, compared to any environment on Earth. So, so that's somewhere that that, that interests me. That and and other researchers um, recently that. The microbes are doing uh, many things to the host, so like behavior. It, so microbes can affect our behavior, metabolism, development, immunity, and we now exploring this all kinds of um, potential for what microbes are doing to our health. Okay, so you're saying there are more tiny organisms living in a human gut than there are like under a dirty rock, for example. Exactly. So actually, the diversity, like amount, so number of species is higher in soil, for example. But gut is uh, most dense, meaning they're packed together. More, and and you yeah. said they're controlling us. Yeah, or controlling us, or maybe we are controlling them. And and there's both aspects. And that's 
the、um, interesting part that they may be acting as a gene, like in our, in, inside the cells. And some microbes even with, you know, live inside the cells. Like, you know, mitochondria is a little extreme. They, you know, idea, one idea is that they came into our cells in the past.、Um, and there's a lot of insects like that, that microbes live in the cell. But the microbes I'm studying is mostly living outside the cells、um, of the body. Yeah. So, why, why do they live in there? You use the word host, which、mm-hmm. we kind of associate with parasites, but are these parasites as, as people would generally know the term? Yeah, host is going to be the,、um, where microbes are living on. So, it's us,、um, animals or plants, or it can be, that can be the host. And, and the symbionts are, are the ones that are living inside us. Or, so, the question you ask why they're living in the gut is, a, I think it's a really good question. And, And one thing is that, so bacteria was on the earth, you know, way longer than us.、Um, so when the multicellular organism, meaning in organis- the more, more complex, complex organisms like us, arrived, already bacteria was there. So that was just the one habitat for them to colonize. So. so they're getting something out of it then. They're getting like a place to live exactly, and, and food. Exactly. And they're, they're protected. It's a good environment. There's nutrition coming in all the time. But obviously, the animals aren't, are not like having a lot of negative effects, or they would try and get rid of them. Yeah, so this whole community, some might be beneficial to the host, but th- some can be pathogenic, meaning it can affect the host negatively. So, like the pathogens, virus that, that we think of as bacteria. And that was the one that we, we, meaning humans, that study for a long time was more pathogenic, more negative. Affect bacteria. But now we're focusing more on the beneficial side of bacteria, and that's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah that's really fascinating. So,、uh, where, can you tell us where you did your undergraduate degree? Yeah, so I did my undergrad in Japan, and I was working with mice.、Um, I was looking at coke color variations. So, what, so, I found this black color mouse that wasn't reported before just by chance. and I was doing genetic crosses, meaning just cross the known genetic background, just lab mice, to this wild Japanese house mice and try to find what's causing them black and why, why they, can, you know, they become black. And that, that research actually led to my master's and on my PhD advisor that I'm working. So, when you say why they become black, you don't mean,、yeah. you're, are you talking about adaptation or are you talking about at the genetic level what genes cause the,、yeah. the color? I was talking about the genetic level, yeah.、Um, we don't know the adaptive significance, but it, it, so, so house mice are commensal animals and they live in urban settings. So, they live in the houses, that, you know, those are the ones that we see in the US as the、um, broad term, same species that live in Japan too. And Japanese house mice have this、um, white belly. But I found this complete melanic one. And that may be due to, you know, like the, because the urbanization, so you're going to have smaller population size, you know, more happen, and there's more chance to have those rare mutations, meaning, you know, rare phenotypes coming out. And that might be the reason why I found this, but,、um, but we don't know. Yeah, so when you use the phrase population genetics earlier、uh-huh. in the episode, is this sort of what you were referring to? That's right, that's right. So that and. So, this research、um, led to my master's degree in the US at、um, University of Arizona. And the, the reason I chose that school was I read this paper、um, by Michael Nachman. So, he was studying melanic mice in, 
in the desert in the U.S. So in, in the Sonoran Desert. And this is a story of the、um, adaptation of the coke color to the lava flows. So lava flows are black, and these pocket mice are adapted to this color variation. So if you go to a lava flow, you can catch a black mice. If you go outside a lava flow, you get this yellowish color. Morph. And I read that paper and I got interested. And yeah, so I applied to the lab. And that's where all my, I don't know, population genetics background is during my undergrad and the master's. Yeah. yeah. And you caught a lot of mice in your undergrad too, right? And, that's right. And that's in your、right. master's. That's right. So, so for my undergrad, so, so how to collect house mice is just knock people's door because they live in houses and ask for permission to set traps. So you set the trap in the. You know, late afternoon and come back in the morning and you collect the mice. So I did that、um, for undergrad and masters. I used lab mice. So it was mostly inside the lab、um, doing crosses to、um, understand how、um, species form. So it's a speciation genetics, is the, the area of research. But、um, yeah, it's a more broader question that、um, how two related species can't mate anymore, can't produce fertile offspring anymore. So that's. The reproductive isolation is the technical term, but、um, those, I was studying the species boundaries during the master's. Ah, species、uh, boundaries. Yeah. yeah. This,、uh, so I guess for the public, that's understanding what is a species. It seems, you know,、exactly. we talk about they shouldn't be able to reproduce, and then we see things like the liger is something that yeah, the yeah, public、exactly. might be familiar with. It sort of violates that、exactly. assumption. Yeah, it's, no, that's. Exactly. The, so, these two closely related house mice occur in Europe. So, the ones during my master's, I was studying the European house mice, and there's two species or subspecies, and, and they can form a hybrid, but the males are sterile, meaning they have, their sperms are, you know, don't swim well, or the, the morphology is different, and they have low success、um, fertilizing the female. So, that's That, what we think is it, it's been used as a model for a long time to study the initial stages of speciation, so how species form at the early stages. And that's like the model system that I worked on. Yeah. So, if you're just tuning in, you're tuned into 90.7 FM KLX Berkeley. My name is Tesla Munson. This is The Graduates interview talk show. And today I'm speaking with Taiichi Suzuki in integrated biology. You were telling us about your bachelor's and master's work.、Uh, Well, in Japan and, and then Arizona, looking at mice. And for your PhD, you also you love those mice, right? Yeah. You can manipulate them. <laughs> yeah, manipulate them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I still work on mice,、um, but it's an, in a very different aspect. It's the, yeah, it's a, it's a big change for me, but maybe it's still within the mice、um, world. Yeah. Yeah, and you still are doing crosses? Yeah.、Um, Yes, partly, yeah, for the project, yes. So, so right now I'm studying,、um, me and my、um, other lab mates as a lab, we're studying、uh, genetics of, so genetic basis of adaptation. So, what kind of genes make the mice adapt to different environments? So, we're collecting mice from all over, so from North America to South America. And、um, so, associated to that project, we're trying to make inbred lines, meaning like, like labs. You know, all, all the lab strains are inbred, meaning they're, took, you know, they're taken from the wild, they're crossed in the lab for many generations. And we're trying to make that from these wild populations across the Americas because they have more genetic diversity and they're, they're more, more relevant for more ecological evolutionary studies because they might show those、um, adaptive 
phenotype and it can be used for medical community as well. So basically, you're, you, it's like the bananas. You're, like, we're si- you're sick of how many strains of mice we have. You, you want to add some more. And- yeah, add more diversity. And because it's funny to think that all our medicine and everything was tested on these s- small population in Europe. And I think it's important to test if it, that medicine is going to work to different population. So I that, mean, that's the idea. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. agree with you more. It's as someone who studies teeth, for example, I don't know yeah. if they do so much of the work in mice and uh-huh. mice have their teeth are just completely different from humans. So yeah. <laughs> they don't even have premolars. They only erupt once. It's like all yeah. these differences. Our incisors but, are a little shorter. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Um, okay. And so collecting all over North and South America, what does that entail? It's yeah. not knocking on people's doors anymore. Well, actually, it is. It so is. this is the same um, house mice that live in houses. So, so one summer I spend collecting mice at west coast of um, North America, from Arizona to San Arizona, and I went through Utah and Montana, and went to Canada, um, Edmonton, Canada, to collect mice for two months in a car. I camp. So, so we have to. Um, so we're we're studying the genetics and and the. And the microbes that I mentioned. So I'm collecting different tissues from the mice. I sometimes dissect it in at the campground or um, outside and storing it into liquid nitrogen. So I had this big tank that has this smoke coming out, and um, I have to cross the border of you know U.S. and Canada and have some issues. But yeah, so those kind of things will tell us that. Um, so some that uh, what I'm finding now is that mice living in colder places larger, so they're bigger, and they also have this um, obesity-associated microbial composition, at least in the north, um, so east coast of North America and the South America, like um, latitudinally from Brazil to Argentina. So that's exciting because maybe so this observation that um, animals living in colder places tend to be larger is a common pattern found. Um, it's called Bergman's rule, and 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 the explanation is maybe this um, this less surface area to this larger volume can, um, it's, it's better maintaining the heat. So that's the initial idea. And But the mechanism is unknown. So why mice are, you know, um, animals are bigger. And one obvious thing is maybe their genes that make them large. But the other, exp- the potential explanation can be the microbes. And maybe um, the microbes can digest the, the, the food more efficiently and store more fat is the one um, hypothesis that I'm, trying to push or studying yeah because you get these from the environment the microbes right so wherever you're born for example and living your gut community would reflect that environment yeah not necessarily the environment but the, mostly the mother too so so for example the um, um c-section baby and the vaginal uh, normal birth baby um gut composition is different so that suggests that mother is transmitting vertically to the baby. And, and of course, from the environment, um, it's uh, it important to, to structuring. So it can be mother's skin, and it can be, you know, for mice, the, the environment is pretty dirty. So um, like, you know, feces, um, that kind of thing. Can, so, um, yeah, I've heard this because um, I'm GSI and human reproduction that as the mm-hmm. baby passes through the vaginal canal, it's uh-huh. inoculated by the mother. Yeah, exactly. So oh. that's the initial that we think that uh, where the baby, so, so babies are born sterile, but that's the first place that we think that it, they encounter the bacteria. But then again, through like the mother's saliva and her exactly, breastfeeding. Breastfeeding, and... yep, exactly. Yep. Okay. And so 
your work is looking at that composition of the community in different areas where it's colder and showing that Mm -hmm. the community is different in a way that makes the mice larger? Yeah, so this um, study in in lab mice, that if, if so you have this obese fat mice and a lean mice, and if you transplant these gut microbes to a germ-free mice, which is born and raised in a sterile environment, only the mice that receive the obese microbiome increases body fat without increase in food consumption. So this suggests that, and, and other studies have shown that my, so certain composition of the microbes can digest these um, plant polysaccharides, which is which you know no mammals can digest because we don't have the enzymes to digest these complex plant materials, but microbes do. So that's one way, and they also directly um, affect our fat storage. So that's been shown in lab mice, and that composition was also even found in humans. So this is the meta-analysis I was talking. Now, population living in colder places tend to have this obese-associated microbiome, and and I found that also in mice. So it's you know mice and humans are pretty different, but if you see these kind of repeated patterns, it's it's pretty convincing, and something is going on. And I, this. yeah, I've heard about this. I know it's on topic. It's a little. It's a little okay. Go I've heard ahead. about these uh, pills, like feces pills. Yeah, yeah. That they are thinking could be a, a therapy for obesity, and that you would re-inoculate your stomach with a different microbiome. Exactly. So that's called um, probiotics or it can be prebiotics, but it, it's already been used. Um, I forgot the name of the disease, but some kids um, having issues developing these healthy gut microbiota and they now the treatment that you can take the some, you know, mother's microbiome and, you know, drink it as a pill to treat those kind of kids and, and it works. So it, it's been used and it's going to be yeah, studied more, and yeah, in the future, I bet. Yeah. So, you've been sort of a target of the media because probably because it has your work has so many connections to humans and obesity. Yeah, you want to tell us a little bit about that? I mean, what is it like? Uh, you know, what is it like being yeah, a target yeah. of the media? What does that mean? Yeah, I think it's you know it's it's interesting because I worked on this speciation genetics that I mentioned during my master's and. And this field is interesting, but also it's a well-developed, well-studied field. Um, and one graduate student can contribute very little that I felt. And I, I and when I moved on to PhD, I thought I should, you know, study something that has more broader impact um, that I can contribute more to science. And and this field, just th- this microbial ecology using this um, next-generation sequencing technology, just started. I'll say 10, 15 years ago. So it's 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 pretty new first, and and that makes a graduate student to contribute a little more than what I was doing. So it's um, it is rewarding, and also I'm also interested in education too, in, in in general. So it's nice to have a chance to you know talk and like this in a in a radio show that I can share my findings and what it means and how we can apply. Yeah. yeah, but you're playing it off because I saw like <laughs> ABC. What I mean, there were a bunch of news media yeah. outlets on there. Yeah. Give us a few names. Who? What are some of the? I don't know. Yahoo, Fox, um, like this Australian um, ABC News, Daily. Um, what was the UK? The Daily News. Um, yeah, I I got many when I published this human paper, um, and I was on like a super hum, um, superhuman radio show. Um, and because yeah. you're a superhuman, 
No, I'm not. Yeah. But we're all superhuman <laughs> because we have this billion, trillions of microbes, I guess. <laughs> so what's that like, though? I mean, do you feel like they understood what you were talking about, that they're representing your work well? Or what are they interested in? Yeah, I think the, the main interest is the association with this microbes and obesity. And that's part of my interest for sure. And, and that's a majority of people of this community is working on is how we can treat obesity by studying microbes. And I think it's important. And that's the main focus of the radio and the media. But my true interest or um, additional interest is that how this can be really fundamental on this, um, understanding our biology. Because if the microbes are important for you know, immunity, health, um, you know, you know, development, everything, behavior, then I think it's 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 really basic science that um, how the our body works and how we evolved. I think it's a you know microbes have a potential to understand more of our ecology and evolution is um, my focus of my um, dissertation. Yeah. You're tuned in to ninety point seven FM KLX Berkeley ninety point seven FM. This is the graduates. So you know you've done all this amazing research. You've gone all over North and South America, mm-hmm. probably all over the world. Do you have any advice you would give to students generally to who are interested in research? Like, what you know? how do you get involved in research? You were involved all the way as an undergraduate, weren't you? Yeah. So, so one advantage coming to um, U.S. Um, PhD program, I think, is that um, you can start a research project on um, your own, your, your original um, project i think compared to european programs or japanese programs so they're they're shorter so first it, it's only three-year phd programs so there, there's a tendency that you have to follow your advisor's research or and because you don't have much time to develop your own but i think what i appreciate the most is because i was doing a complete different um project during a master's but i started this new field during my phd that just you know expanded my um, career too so i think that's something that I appreciate as, you know, being an international student here, experiencing different PhD programs from my own country. So, yeah, that's like one advantage, I think. But how did you get into the lab in the first place? Were you just like day one freshman, like, give me research? Um, as an undergrad? Yeah, or, yeah, all the way back then. In Japan? Yeah, so our system is, um, you. in my time, it was required um, um, from the third year. So... You do general co- um, coursework during the first and second year in college, and from the third year you enter a lab. Um, you you have to pick a lab in, 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 in the Japanese system, and that's how I got into it. But as I told you, um, how I got into the U.S. program is just you know reading the paper, emailing the author, and and this advisor. So now the advisor, this um, this author, gave me comments on my undergrad research. So that was nice, and I thought I want to work with him and. I got involved in the research. Yeah. yeah. Do you have yeah. uh, any other advice for students, uh, international or otherwise? Just yeah, I think I think finding your own, you know, passion in general is difficult, and I think we all need time. Is you know, especially me. I, I wasn't determined to do this research at all when I started. You know, to to think about being a scientist. I think is one thing I did was start with a master's because I have more time to to think about what I really want to do. And I met many people in the U.S. that people do lab techs and try to be involved in, in the research right after their bachelor's degree. And I think that's very important because for, you know, uh, finding a passion is very 
difficult and it takes time. So if I entered a PhD program directly, maybe I didn't have time to find this um, research theme. So yeah, so one option is to do master's or lab tech uh, right after undergrad. So, and you mentioned to me that passion is definitely something you've had for a long time because as a child, you were interested in science, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because I started getting into biology, just collecting insects and creatures around my house and try to keep them and try to breed them. So one thing I did was, um, so, so I, I like this lizard in Japan. It's a grass lizard. And, and I made this um, enclosure in my balcony. So you put the soil and like grass and you, you try to feed the lizard with um, on this European cricket. So, so they breed year round. So I want to try to make an ecosystem that you know, feed it itself. So, so that kind of thing I did as a kid. So were your parents into that crickets and lizards? <laughs> no, no, I was the only one. <laughs> That's pretty cool though. Um, I can just imagine you in like a miniature lab coat, like <laughs> with your lizards, like let's put this cricket in this one. <laughs> and um, also I would love to hear that Bolivia story again, because mm-hmm. I think the audience will really appreciate uh I mean, so many of our colleagues do field work in remote places, and it's just half the fun is hearing them come back with their stories. So uh, tell us your Bolivia story, please. Yeah. So so this is you know, part of the project that we're trying to study how mice adapt to different altitudes. So, so we went from 4,000 meter elevation to zero. And at the, um, Santa Cruz, this is zero elevation. Um, so we got stopped by a police um, by doing nothing because just because we were um, driving in an um, international license that they didn't like. So they took us to a police station. In Bolivia. Santa Cruz, Bolivia. Bolivia. Santa yeah, yeah. Bolivia. And we were not in a jail, but you know, surrounded by police officers with huge guns. And they didn't listen to our arguments. So we paid the fee and they took a rental car. So that day we lost our rental car. We, we don't know what to do. So... And we were in trouble. And and one thing I found out was there's a lot of Japanese living in um, Santa Cruz, around Santa Cruz. There are Japanese colonists that who came um, after World War II, so like 60 years ago. So I contacted them and I explained the situation. Then they, they helped us. So they drove us around. Um, they helped us set traps. They fed us. They let us stay. And they even make their own soy sauce and miso soup there. Wow. And, they, and I get to explain science in Japanese in Bolivia, which was a unique experience. That's so cool. So they were really supportive of the science in general, not just because you're Japanese, but also because they were interested in the science. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, That's really neat. And uh, so as we wrap up here, do you have any last words about science? Like, where are you headed? What What are your big goals? Yeah, I think this... Um, and this field of microbiology is um, it's very interesting because, you know, like we talked about how microbes can affect our health, um, that's a big issue. And also by, you know, creating um, those biofilms to treat waste and everything. So, so these microbes can have implications for um, conservation and more environmental potential. And you mentioned um, that you might not stay it, with yeah. mice forever because you're, oh, that's right. yeah, yeah. you're interested in how these things apply on a broad scale. Yep. So, so I want to apply this um, um, finding to other organisms as well. So there's um, other animals that if you go to a colder place, that's bigger. So I want to see if their microbes is also, if you can also find this obese composition 
in colder place in other animals as well. And it's always <laughs> and it's always good when humans realize that they're not alone in this world. You know, we're we're not. Uh, completely isolated organisms and we need lots of other organisms to help us get through the day. So Exactly. If, if, if I crush you up, um, 90% is bacteria and only 10% of the cells are human. So we're mostly bacteria. So wow. that statement is true. <laughs> Man, <laughs> if you crush me up, oh no. <laughs> well, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, it's a little scary, but... It's good to know, you know, don't be afraid of bacteria. They're they're here to help. Yeah, mostly. there's good one and good ones and bad ones. So. Hey, just like people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us here on The Graduates KLX Berkeley 90.7 FM. My name's Tesla Munson. Again, this is The Graduates the interview talk show where I speak with UC Berkeley graduate students about their work on campus and around the world. Today, we've been hearing from biologist Taichi Suzuki in the Department of Integrated Biology talking about his work. Uh, in Japan and all over the Americas, looking at gut microbiomes and communities of bacteria in the gut and their relationship with obesity and climate, which is pretty yeah. interesting, and then also species concepts. So you're hitting all the big nodes there. It's uh, You're doing some great work, Taichi. It's pretty Thank awesome. You. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, yeah. thanks for... Thanks for being here. So uh, stay tuned. There'll be another episode of The Graduates in two weeks. Until then, you're listening to 90.7 FM, K-A-L-X.